must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support, and now for the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, F. Scott Field, and we have the esteemed pleasure today of interviewing somebody we actually met at ELC, um, the Educational Leadership Conference that the APTA puts on. Um, today, we have with, you, with us uh, Becky McKnight. Becky, could you tell our audience a little bit about your educational journey and how it brought you to where you are today? Sure. I started off, I'm a physical therapist. Um, I started off in clinical practice, but um, even when I went into PT school in the back of my mind, I thought that perhaps I would transition into the education side of it. I really thought probably in um, PT education, physical therapist education, Um, but early in my career, uh, in the um, area that I was practicing and they were starting to develop a PTA program. And I thought, well, why don't I just see if perhaps I can do some adjunct teaching? Um, so I contacted the college and um, they were actually looking for a clinical coordinator, an ACCE, DCE, um, Director of Clinical Education individual. And so they uh, were in desperate need, and so they encouraged me to apply. And I, um, in in my um, um, excitement and ignorance, I thought, oh, this sounds like a lot of fun. Let me just go do that. And so I jumped into a, the deep end of a very deep pool. It was a new developing program that was just getting off the ground. Um, so it's one of those... Uh, a baptism by fires, I guess, uh, types of things. That's how I got involved in the education side of it. Worked up from that position into the program director's position. Um, then I got very involved in the national level in a variety of, of ways and uh, became a consultant. Awesome. Um, well, can you tell us a little bit about what a PTA program looks like, right? Like what, what does a physical therapist assistant program look like from start to finish? And, and what what kind of product does the PTA program kind of produce, right? What, when, when a physical therapist assistant graduates, what kind of skills are they coming out with? And what do they have to go through to get licensed? Sure. Um, I think I'll start with the, the second part of that question first. Global mission of all PTA programs to graduate that physical therapist assistant that has the entry-level skills that are expected in the profession. Um, and so the physical therapist assistant is um, really um, – designed to be the right-hand helper for the physical therapist. Uh, they are, um, their education and um, training helps prepare them to 
um, assist the physical therapist in providing the intervention and care to the patients and clients that the physical therapist might be working with. Um, primarily in the arena of interventions, um, but also, you know, being able to provide um, assistance with data collection, whether it's through for examination or research or, you know, any of the uh, test measures, you know, uh, data collection types of things that a physical therapist might do. Um, and so really, again, just to be that, that number one helper for the physical therapist in pretty much any, any area. So um, PTAs in their education are um, educated to be, you know, kind of globalist, if you will. They um, have a general background in all areas so they can be prepared for whatever setting they might get into. Um, so the education um, right now by um, accreditation um, limitations um, um, is required to be no more than an associate's degree. There are a couple of programs out there that have um, kind of a bachelor's add-on component, um, but the primary PTA um, education has to be uh, completed current under the current accreditation standards within two years. And that includes everything from anatomy and physiology to kinesiology um, to all of the clinical conditions, musculoskeletal conditions, um, interventions, um, you know, therapeutic modalities, um, and also the um, documentation, just pretty much everything that a physical therapist would have in their education component aside from the components of evaluation um, and di the diagnostic component. Awesome. Well, you've had a lot of experience uh, in the physical therapist assistant programs, and I'm curious as to what it looks like if somebody were to try to start up a physical therapist assistant program or, um, you know, what does it look like getting one of those programs off the ground? I'll be honest with you. It's a lot of work. And um, if an institution is interested in, in uh, beginning either a PT or a PTA program, either one, it, it's, it takes a lot of work. And the institution, the administration, really needs to sit back and consider um, what their reasons are for um, thinking about a PTA program. One of the first things that they have to do to even be considered is to really demonstrate that there is a need in the area. Um, or uh, their service area. So most PTA programs, not all of them, but most of them are, um, uh, their mission is kind of regional. So most PTA programs would really have to show that they can serve, uh, that their graduates, uh, there's a need for their graduates in their area. PT programs have a little more flexibility because they pull from across the country and those students might end up going back um, to other areas. So, um, but for PTA programs, there really has to be a, a clear demonstration of need in the healthcare community. Um, frequently, um, what happens is that an institution starts looking around at what other things can we do to grow and develop, and they may have some students that have said, hey, why don't you have a PTA program, and so they have student interest, and so they think it's a great idea. Um, but they may not actually have the need for the program um, is based upon what the uh, healthcare needs of the community might be. Um, and then after that, there's just, again, there's a lot of work 
basically to get accredited, there's two levels. First, you have to um, apply to candidacy. And, and then after you get candidacy, you have to get candidacy before you can even bring students on. And so that first round of students, um, you'll be working with them before you know if you get your accreditation. And so um, even to get candidacy, you pretty much have to have your program sewed up pretty tight, all your curriculum, you know, a real clear um, uh, demonstration that you have uh, curricular resources and um, ways to ensure that the students have the skills that they need. Um, and so it's a lot of work on the upfront before students even come into the door. And that's the thing that um, I think a lot of administrators end up being surprised by because other accrediting processes for other healthcare, um, you, know, uh, you know, careers or professions um, frequently can, uh, they can bring students on a, in a little earlier so they get that balance of income from the students while they're developing the program. And there's a lot of upfront development before you can even get students in the door. We, we just tend to hear that a lot when uh, it comes to newer programs, um, especially, you know, uh, I'm assuming it's CAPTI that, that's in charge of accrediting the PTA programs as well. Just uh, is, is that right? That is correct. The Commission on Accreditation for Physical Therapy Education accredits both PT and PTA programs. Um, and one of the um, specific components, because there are so many institutions interested in developing both PT and PTA programs, uh, a few years back, CAPTI was totally overwhelmed by the number of programs, and so they had to put some limitations just so that they could handle it. And so they have two decision cycles every year, and they only look at six programs. That's both PT and PTA programs. So that's a total of 12 programs that they will look at um, over the course of one year. So that also slows down the process. In fact, um, before I got on, I just looked. And so let's say that there's an institution that's wanting to open a PTA program. Um, if they were to right now co contact CAPTI, CAPTI would tell them that the earliest they could even be considered to um, uh, accept an application would be fall of 2022. And then that would mean that they wouldn't hear a decision until that next spring, so they couldn't bring students in until the spring of 2023. Um, and so, again, that's something else that a lot of institutions end up being surprised by. Sometimes they'll go out and get grants to start a program, and that grant has a time limitation of, say, like two years that they have to have it completed. And, and they can't even get their foot in the door because of the way the accreditation process is structured. Which, I mean, overall, I think that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? I mean, there's so many new programs opening up these days across the country. And we've talked about on the show before a lot of pros and cons to that, right? One, it gives a little more opportunity to people who may not have had it before. But B, we're kind of watering down the market a little bit, too, because there's going to be so many uh, physical therapists graduating every year if these programs keep opening up and keep having large cohorts that, you know, uh, eventually we may flood the market and, you know, the jobs uh, may not may not be needed at that point. So, you know, it's hard to predict. It's hard to tell. I think overall in, in the big picture, we're going to be okay. But um, one of the things that I kind of wanted to ask about was what does a, a physical therapist assistant program faculty look like? I mean, uh, you, you were a physical therapist when you kind of started on board. Um, is it a mixture of physical therapists, PTAs, other professors? Like what, what, what does the typical uh, faculty kind of look like for those that might be interested in getting their foot in the door and teaching a little bit? 
Yeah, um, if you don't mind, if I could just make a comment um, yeah, on what we were just talking about before I move to that. Um, you were just talking about the flooding the market piece. And again, I think when you consider the PTA education uh, and, the, and the programs, they have a unique, uh, again, not all of them, but most of them are in, in um, community colleges. And most of those um, missions, again, is to, but most of their missions is to service their area. And so what frequently happens is they do have a need in the area, but then they kind of, it's real easy to flood that area pretty quickly because those, those graduates are from those rural areas and they stay in those rural areas. So you're not getting a lot of transition in and out. And that's something that, again, I don't know that it, um, administrators at the institutions really have that long-term view and recognize that they're going to saturate their area. Right now, when you look at the CAPTI data, both for PT and PTA programs, um, employment rates are high, uh, somewhere around 90% or uh, greater than that, I think. I, I don't have it off the top of my head. However, one of the things that they're not taking into consideration is how many of those are at full-time employment or how many of those individuals are underemployed or are only getting either PRN or part-time status. And that's some data that we don't have and that, as far as I know, I don't know of anybody that's actively looking at that piece. And I think that would be a piece of information um, that would be good for our profession to um, consider. Because again, if you just look at the employment rate, it looks great, but it may not actually be meeting the needs of either our students or even the communities that we serve. Um, but on to your other question as far as PTA faculty. Uh, so PTA faculty can either be PTs or PTAs. Um, the program director does have to have a post, uh, a master's degree, a post-baccalaureate degree. Um, uh, and so um, any PTA that might um, graduate would have to go on and, and get further education to become a program director. Other than that, uh, whether they have to have a bachelor's degree or not kind of depends upon the institution in which they live and the state requirements for them to be able to teach at that institution. So um, it's possible that a PTA would still be able to teach with associate's degree with just some um, further education. Again, that would depend upon the state and the institution. Um, what frequently happens is a lot of PTs do end up being in PTA um, um, education. And the, um, I haven't seen any recent um, numbers as far as the mix between PT and PTA. Um, CAPTA every year um, gathers information. And so on their site, you can look at the annual report. The latest annual report didn't break, have that breakdown as far as um, how many were PTs and how many were PTAs. Also, the pro program director uh, now has to have some um, education in educational theory and those types of things. So CAPTI's requirement is nine credit hours or some kind of equivalency of some formal education um, related to educational theory, curriculum design, those types of things. Uh, I was curious if you had any advice uh, for anybody looking to start uh, getting their feet wet in the teaching uh, or academia realm. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody just starting out and looking to maybe dive into a PTA program? Different programs, again, have different needs for adjunct faculty, lab assistants. Um, again, one of the uh, one of the problems, as with any um, education setting, is funding. Um, so my recommendation was would be to you know try to to contact the the PTA program in the area and see if they have a need for um, adjunct adjunct assistant even if doing the just guest lecturers 
nurse or you know lab assistant or something like that. Um, if they're um, really interested, again, um, starting to look at some classes, uh, whether in all, you know, there's plenty of things online that could help them start getting a sense of, um, again, educational theory, curriculum design. Um, and something that would be very simple for them to do is whenever they're already at a national meeting, whether it's combined sections meeting or next, a uh, combined sections meeting will always have components for from the Academy um, of Education used to be education section, so I'm still trying to learn the new, the new name, but um, there's always sessions related to education that they could attend and start learning from that aspect. Next sometimes does and sometimes uh, you know, has some that are explicit related to education. So taking those opportunities uh, to get engaged and, and really getting a sense for uh, what the PT educational world is all about. Got it. I love that advice. Um, well, Becky, you've kind of transitioned a little bit uh, from the world of academia into some educational consulting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like and, and what some opportunities might be in educational consulting? Sure. So for me, um, what happened is I became so uh, busy at the national level, was involved with APT on a variety of task force groups. Um, so my name and face kind of got out there. So people kind of started asking for my assistance. And um, I found that I was not able to maintain my full-time status as a program director and still have the flexibility to go out and meet the needs of other um, PTA educators across the country. And so I chose to step out of my full-time teaching position so I could have that flexibility. But I was um, doing I was doing consulting when I was a program director, and then I have colleagues of mine that are also they're currently full-time uh, program directors and do consulting. So there's um, those opportunities are out there. Um, when you move into consulting, there's some things that I would highly recommend. I would I would recommend that you. Um, you become a CAPTI on-site visitor before you become a consultant. I actually did it backwards, but um, um, it was, again, because of some of the other things that I was involved with at the national level that kind of gave me some credibility. But I really think that you really have to go through the process of um, accreditation yourself, but also being a CAPTI on-site visitor really helps ensure that you have um, a good appreciation for the full picture. Um, and becoming engaged at the national level is just essential. You have to know what's going on at the APTA. You have to know what's going on at the Federation. Um, you have to have the whole big picture to be able to really um, help them walk people through um, not just CAPTI standards, which is, again, what most institutions are most interested in because if they're, you know, if they're not accredited, they can't, they can't uh, have a program, um, but to have a good thriving program, you have to have an understanding of all of the factors. And so becoming involved in the Federation, uh, become an item writer, put your name on the list to become a volunteer um, at the APTA level, uh, through the Academy of Physical Therapy Education, become a, a PTA educator SIG member, um, CAP, again, becoming involved in CAPTI as a on-site visitor, which, by the way, you mentioned earlier, what if somebody's interested in getting education and they're in the clinical setting, what can they do? They need clinicians to be on-site team members as well, and so they can get a good insight into 
uh, what the what the requirements are and the expectations are um, through that process as well. So um, for me, I think something else to take into consideration is your personality. One of the things I learned about myself uh, over the years is I am very much of a strategic planner and uh, uh, systems analysis, um, you know, in synthesizer, I do that very well. So the consulting component comes very natural to me and it actually energizes me. Um, and I enjoy the process of picking things apart and helping to um, create a more efficient, whether it's a curriculum or a policy um, and problem solving. So it's a little bit like patient care and taking a look at the whole organism um, and figuring out what pieces can um, be altered or changed or um, assisted to make the end product more efficient. Well, that's awesome. I love that. Sounds like uh, definitely a neat aspect, uh, kind of an offshoot of academia, which is is pretty cool and definitely a, an interesting opportunity for people if, if they're looking to do something a little bit different. Um, well, Becky, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and for taking your time to chat with us today. Um, we, we like to ask all of our guests this one final question, and that, that question is, if you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be PTA-related or PT-related, what aspect would you change and how would you change it? I think right now for um, PTA education, uh, one of the pieces that's frustrating um, to me personally, but I also think ends up kind of frustrating the whole um, the whole community is because PTA programs are um, kind of small and isolated. Um, we're having we have a hard time being able to come together. We do come together at, again at meetings and that kind of stuff, but um, most PTA programs have two full time faculty, so it's two people over in you know this rural area of the country and two people over in this rural area of the country. So. I think um, if we could find a, a, a robust um, way of um, trying to connect people um, and to do some um, group problem solving, um, then that I, I would really appreciate that. And, and I don't mean to downplay some of the things that are out there that are working right now. Again, the, the SIG from the um, Academy is great. The PTA Educator SIG is great. The Facebook page is great. So there's some really good things, but I think we need to have um, an even more solid, robust way of connecting our PTA educators so that we can um, assist each other and, and help PTA education move forward in the future. Absolutely. That's a, a great tip. And I think realistically, uh, that sense of, of community and knowing you're not alone, you're not on that island, there are other people out there doing it would be very helpful for uh, many programs across the nation. Uh, not just one big meeting every year at CSM, but uh, throughout the semesters and throughout the years, being able to contact other people and chat. And uh, like you said, I know there's a couple of good things out there. I know there's a couple of Facebook groups that are trying to to connect people and, and social media and technology has been great. So, uh, you know, we've got that to look forward to as it improves, but, uh, speaking of social media and, and online presence, where can people reach out to you if they have any follow up questions or if they just want to kind of reach out and, and chat with you about anything, uh, that they heard on the show today? Yeah. So I, I, um, I do have a Facebook page. So just looking Becky McKnight, uh, it's, um, M C K N I G H T. Um, I'm, 
I do not have a, um, a website. I, I did have one, but took it down. But if they wanted to email me and, and get in touch with me, it's Beck McKnight, B-E-C-M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T at Outlook.com. And just to shoot me an email if they can't find me that way. I'm on the APTA. I'm, you know, you can, you can look me up through APTA membership list and, and contact me there as well. Great. And we'll put all those links in the show notes for everybody. Becky, thanks again so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare a telehealth platform is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.